Chapter thirty six of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty six Little Rifts. One bright morning in May, not long after the return from the continent, Mabel was sitting in her own room at the back of the small house which had been taken on Camden Hill. She was writing at a table by the raised window when the door opened suddenly and Mark burst in in a state of suppressed but very evident excitement i have brought you something he said and threw down three peacock blue volumes upon her open blotting-case the title sweet bells jangled ran in sprawling silver letters from corner to corner of the covers through a medley of cracked bells and withered hyacinths in dull gold the general effect being more bold than pleasing mabel was just about to exclaim sympathetically what a frightful binding they've given you dear when mark informed her with some complacency that it was his own design nowadays you see he explained you want something to catch the eye or you won't be read inwardly mabel could not help wondering that he could condescend to such a device or think it necessary in his own case look at the fly-leaf he said and she opened the first volume and read the printed dedication to my wife i thought that must bring me luck he said and now darling do you know what you are going to do you are going to put away all those confounded letters and sit down here and read the opening chapters carefully and tell me what you think of them for till then he had made continual excuses for not showing her any portion of his new work either in manuscript or proof from mixed motives of vanity and diffidence mabel laughed with an affectionate pride at his anxiety this is what comes of marrying a great author she said go away and let me begin at once and tell you at lunch how i enjoyed it no said mark despotically i'm going to stay here or you might try to skip but i can't allow that she protested suppose i find i'm obliged to skip suppose it's a terrible disappointment no you ridiculous mark i didn't mean it stay if you like i'm not afraid of being disappointed though i really would enjoy it best in solitude mark insisted he felt that at last he was about to be reinstated in his own opinion he could wait no longer for the assurance of triumph when he saw with his own eyes the effect of his genius upon mabel when he read the startled delight and growing admiration in her face then at last he would know that he was not actually an impostor there are many methods of self-torture but perhaps few more ingenious and protracted than submitting the result of one's brain-work to a person whose good opinion we covet and watching the effect mark imposed it on himself nevertheless chiefly because in his heart he had very little fear of the result he took a rocking-chair and sat down opposite mabel trying to read the paper by and by as she read on in silence his heart began to beat and he rocked himself nervously while his eyes kept wandering from the columns to the pretty hands supporting the volume which hid mabel's face hands reveal many things and mabel's could be expressive enough at times but they told him nothing then he watched them turn a leaf from time to time they always did so deliberately almost caressingly he thought but with no eagerness although the opening was full of incident 
he calculated that she must be at a place where there was a brilliant piece of humorous description she had a fair share of humor why didn't she laugh have you got to that first appearance of the curate on the tennis ground he asked at last she laid down the volume for an instant and he saw her eyes they were calm and critical past that i am beginning chapter three she said the second chapter had contained some of his most sparkling and rollicking writing and it had not even moved her to smile he consoled himself with the reflection that the robuster humour never does appeal to women he had begun his third chapter with a ludicrous anecdote which though it bordered on the profane he had considered too good to be lost but now he had misgivings i'm afraid he ventured dubiously you won't like that bit about the bishop darling i'm afraid i don't quite she replied from behind the book the story had no real harm in it even in mabel's eyes the only pity was that in any part of illusion it would have been an obvious blot and that it did not seem out of keeping in the pages she was reading now she had sat down to read with such high hopes so sure an anticipation of real enjoyment that it was hard to find that the spell was broken she tried to believe that she read on because she was interested her real reason was a dread of some pause when she would be asked to give her opinion what should she say perhaps it should be explained at once that the book was not a foolish one mark whatever else he was could scarcely be called a fool and he had a certain share of the literary faculty it was full of smart and florid passages that had evidently been industriously polished and had something of the perishable brilliancy of varnish there is a kind of vulgarity of mind so subtle as to resist every test but ink and the cheap and flashy element in mark's nature had formed a deposit slight perhaps but perceptible in more than one page of sweet bells jangled mabel felt her heart grow heavier as she read why had he chosen to deliberately lower his level like this where were the strong and masterly touch the tenderness and the dignity of his first book that had faults too even faults of taste but here the faults had almost overgrown the taste surely if she read on she would find the style attain the old distinction and the tone grow noble and tender once again but she read on and the style was always the same and the tone if anything rather worse mark had long since moved to a spot where he could command her face her fine eyebrows were slightly drawn her long lashes lowered and her mouth compressed as if with pain somehow the sight did not encourage him she was becoming conscious that her expression was being closely watched which seldom adds a charm to reading and at last she could persevere no longer and shut the book with a faint sigh well said mark desperately he felt as if his fate hung on her answer i-i have read so little yet she said let me tell you what i think at the end tell me what you think of it so far said mark must i she said almost imploringly yes said mark with a grating attempt at a laugh put me out of my misery she loved him too well to make some flattering or evasive reply she was jealous for his reputation and could not see him peril it without a protest oh mark 
she cried, locking her hands and pressing them tight together. "'You must feel yourself. It is not your best. You have done such great work. You will again, I know, dear. But this, it is not worthy of you. It is not worthy of illusion.' He knew too well that it was his best, that it was not in him to do better. If the world's verdict agreed with hers, he was a failure indeed. He had been persuading himself that, after all, he was not a common impostor, that he had genius of his own which would be acknowledged far above his friend's talent. Now, all at once, the conviction began to crumble. He turned upon her with a white face and a look of anger and mortification in his eyes. "'The first is always the best, of course,' he said bitterly. "'That is the regulation verdict. If sweet bells had come out first and illusion second, you would have seen this sad falling off in the second book. I did not think you would be the first to take up that silly old cry, Mabel. I thought I could always come to my wife for encouragement and appreciation. It seems I was mistaken.' mabel bit her lip and her eyes were dazzled for a moment you asked me what i thought she said in a low voice do you think it was pleasant to tell you when you ask me again i shall know better how you expect to be answered he felt all at once what he had done and hastened to show his penitence she forgave and did not let him see how deeply she had been wounded only from that day some of the poetry of her life had turned to prose of sweet bells jangled she never spoke again and he did not know whether she ever read it to the end or not they had finished breakfast one saturday morning and mark was leisurely cutting the weekly reviews when he suddenly sheltered himself behind the paper he had been skimming sweet bells was honoured with a long notice his head swam as he took in the effect with some effort the critic was not one of those fallen angels of literature who rejoice over an unexpected recruit he wrote with a kindly recollection of illusion and his condemnation was sincerely reluctant still it was unmixed condemnation and ended with an exhortation to the author to return to the higher and more artistic aims of his first work mark's hands shook till the paper rustled when he came to that he was so long silent that mabel looked up from reading her letters and asked if the new book was reviewed yet reviewed yet said mark from behind the article why it hasn't been out a fortnight i know said mabel but i thought perhaps that after illusion every book has to wait its turn said mark as he saved himself with all the reviews and locked himself in the little study where he sketched out the stories to which he had not as yet found appropriate endings there was another notice amongst the reviews but in that the critic was relentless in pointing out that the whilom idol had feet of clay and enormous ones after a very severe elaboration of the faults the critic concluded it almost seems as though the author weary of the laudation which accompanied the considerable if in some degree accidental success of his first book had taken this very effectual method of rebuking the enthusiasm however this may be one more such grotesque and ill-considered production as that under review and we can promise him an instant cessation of all the inconveniences of popularity mark crumpled up the paper and pitched it to the other end of the room in a fury it was a conspiracy they were writing him down oh the malice and cowardice of it 
he destroyed both reviews lest mabel should see her opinion confirmed and her faith in him should be shaken however sundry copies of the reviews in question were forwarded to him by good-natured people who thought it might amuse him to see them and one was even sent to mabel with red chalk crosses in thoughtful indication of the more unpleasant passages she saw the date and remembered it as the day on which mark had fenced himself in at breakfast she came in with the paper as he sat in the study and putting one hand on his shoulder bent over him with a loving reproach in her eyes someone has just sent me this she said you have seen it i know why didn't you trust me dear why have you let this come from others never try to hide things from me again mark not even for my good and-and after this let us share everything sorrow and all together she kissed him once on the forehead and left him there to his own thoughts why thought mabel was he not strong enough to disregard criticism if he was satisfied with his own work as he evidently was she hated to think of his having tried to keep their notices from her in that weak almost underhand way she knew that the motive was not consideration for her feelings and had to admit sadly that her hero was painfully human after all still illusion had revealed a nature the nobility of which no weakness could obscure and if his daily life did not quite bear out such indications he was mark ashburn and she loved him nothing could alter that some weeks later vincent returned from italy and one of the first persons he met was harold caffyn it was in the city where vincent had had business and he attempted at first to pass the other by with the curtest possible recognition he had never understood his conduct in the wastwater episode and still resented it but caffyn would not allow himself to be cut and his greeting was blandly affectionate as he accused his friend of abandoning him in the lake district he was determined if he could to convince holroyd that his silence as to mabel's impending marriage had been due solely to the consideration of his feelings and then when confidence was restored he could sound him upon the result of his journey to laufingen but vincent from a vague feeling of distrust was on his guard caffyn got nothing out of him even by the most ingenious pumping he gathered that he had met mark at laufingen but with all his efforts he was not able to discover if that meeting had really been by accident or design he spoke casually of illusion but vincent showed no particular emotion i suppose you don't know he added that mrs featherstone has done it the honour of making a play of it it's going to be done at the end of the season at their house before a select party of distinguished sufferers holroyd had not heard that i've been let in for it caffyn continued i'm playing that stick of a poet julian the beggar's name is it's my last appearance on the boards till i come out as benedick but that won't interest you and it's a sort of secret at present vincent was not curious and asked no questions who do you think is to be the beaumel though said caffyn the author's own wife romantic that eh she's not half bad at rehearsals you must come and see us my boy perhaps i shall said vincent mechanically and left him as much at fault as ever but resolved to have patience still caffyn's was a nature that liked tortuous ways for their own sake he had kept his suspicions to himself hitherto he was averse to taking any direct action until he was quite sure of his ground 
he had those papers in holroyd's writing it was true but he had begun to feel that they were not evidence enough to act on if by some extraordinary chance they were quite compatible with mark's innocence then if he brought a charge against him or if any slanderous insinuations were traced to him he would be placed in an extremely awkward and invidious position if i'm right he thought master vincent's playing some deep game of his own it may be mine for all i know at all events i'll lie low till i can find out where the cards are and whether an ace or two has got up my sleeve vincent had been able to speak with perfect calmness of his lost book because he had almost brought himself to a philosophic indifference regarding it the more easily as he had had consoling indications lately that his creative power had not been exhausted with that one effort and that with returning health he might yet do good work in the world but now as he walked on after leaving caffin this indifference suddenly vanished his heart beat with a secret and exquisite bliss at the thought of this play in which mabel was to represent his own heroine to hear that his work was to receive the rather moderate distinction which can be conferred by its dramatization on a private stage would scarcely have elated him under ordinary circumstances it was no longer any concern of his at all still he could not resist the subtle flattery in the knowledge that his conception was about to be realized in a manner for which few authors would dare to hope the woman who had inspired it would lend it all her own grace and beauty and tenderness to fill the faint outline he had traced with such loving pains all the banality of private theatricals could not spoil that she need not even act she had only to be her own sweet self to give life and charm to the poorest play and the most incompetent of performances and then as he thought of it a wild longing came over him to be there and see her there might be something grotesque and under the circumstances almost undignified in such a longing now but it possessed him nevertheless he would not betray himself or mark but this one gratification he hungered for and neither pride nor prudence had power to restrain him he had meant to see as little as possible of mabel on his return but he broke his resolution now he would not keep away he thought surely he could trust himself to bear the sight of her happiness it ought to reconcile him more fully to all he had endured to secure it and then he would be able to find out from her if this which he had heard from caffin was really true and so having procured the address from mrs langton he went on that same afternoon to camden hill not knowing nor indeed greatly caring just then that this was not the way to deaden the pain at his heart End of chapter thirty six